Welcome to another episode of Odyssey and Muse. I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we explore adventure, creativity, and living life without a map. Every week, we talk to filmmakers, adventure junkies, writers, musicians, vagabonds, people that veer off the beaten path. We dig into topics like how to execute ambitious projects, overcome extreme obstacles, and find the things that drive you. Find your true north. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. This week, I'm talking with a good friend, Ryan Burry. Ryan is originally from Perrysburg, Ohio. Since graduating Bowling Green University, he has lived and worked in Los Angeles. He's been the post-production manager on TV shows like America's Got Talent, The X Factor, The Secret Lives of Americans, and more. He's a co-founder of Burning Shade Productions, and together with Sean Cruiser, he has written and produced many short films and features. In this episode, we learn about how Ryan got into filmmaking, his passion for classic films, his move to Los Angeles, and how he connected with Sean Cruiser to form Burning Shade Productions. We dig into Ryan's writing process, his work in TV, what he does as a producer, and his year of reading a book a week. He even reveals his cocktail of choice. Hint, it tastes like a campfire. Sounds delicious, huh? (laughs) Some great stuff in this one, and it's always fun to catch up with Ryan. So without further ado, enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the show, Ryan. How you been doing? Hey, pretty good, John. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you doing this. I know you've been working a ton lately. Uh, how's how's LA? You mentioned before we started, it's pretty hot out there. You guys, everything burning <laughs> down? Yeah, pretty much. You know, just occasional fires. It's nothing big. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're so used to it now. It's just like, oh, there's another one. That's cool. It's summer. It's fire time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, other places get humidity. We get fire. That's Have good. you guys gotten any rain lately? I mean, I feel like I was out there for two years, and you, you had three days of rain when I was there. I honestly can't remember the last time. I feel like I got a misting a couple weeks ago and got really excited, but was let down after 30 minutes. So. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to say you just realized it was like a lawn uh, sprinkler. <laughs> in the face. I just realized I was in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad, uh, glad your part of town is not on fire. So <laughs> it'd, be, yeah. it'd be apocalyptic times if it reached me around. So. Well, I, I appreciate you doing this. I definitely want to dig into uh, your collaboration with Burning Shade Productions. I feel like I've had Sean on here and a bunch of other people that have uh, done some work with you guys. So I'm glad to finally get you on here. Yeah, for um, sure. But before we dig into that and what else you do out there in LA, let's let's kind of just jump back to the beginning. Where where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a town called Perrysburg, Ohio. Pretty small, uh, near Toledo in the northwest part of the state. Went to college to uh, Bowling Green State University, same place as you actually. Mm-hmm. And then literally went to school for film, popular culture research, some business. And then the week after I graduated college, I jetted out to L.A. Oh, wow. So you were like, I'm getting out there, putting this yeah. to use. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I, uh, I came out here uh, like the summer after my junior year for an internship. Um, I'd never been out here before, never been further west than uh, Missouri. And was just like, this is pretty great. So um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely knew I was coming back. So yeah, did, wasted no time at all. So. What kind of inter- internship did you do? Uh, I was actually interning at Warner Brothers. It was uh, Silver Pictures. My uh, cousin who was working there at the time, so uh, I got the hookup to that. So I did a lot of uh, like script reading, some coverage, a lot of uh, assistant desk work, and just kind of hung out at the the lot. I also simultaneously did one with I don't think it's around anymore, but it was called Media Eight Entertainment. Their biggest thing they had done back then at the time was the Charlize Theron movie Monster. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, so I did a lot of coverage for them. We just kind of alternate back and forth. So. Well, that's kind of cool. So you got to get to see a little bit of the like inner workings of some of those bigger companies. 
Yeah, it was actually really cool because they were small and independent. So while I was at a studio of Warner Brothers experiencing you know, major studio, I was going every other day then to this small independent company where they were struggling just to get, you know, a small movie made. Yeah, so yeah. it's really great to see the different sides of, of the business. Cool. I like the hustle out there. <laughs> get in <laughs> yeah, as much as you can. Yeah, exactly. It, it's fun for a certain amount of time and then it's tiring <laughs> and it becomes fun again. <laughs> so when you were growing up, did you know you kind of wanted to get into filmmaking or were you just kind of in the creative arts or how no, did, how I did this know. kind of happen? <laughs> no idea, actually. I did a lot of little videos and stuff here and there um, back when I used to go to church in high school with their youth group. Mm-hmm. I, I never really thought I would do anything with it. I just watched a ton of movies, and my vast popular culture knowledge of movies just kind of grew. And then in college, I, I floated around as a business major for a couple of years with no direction. I was like, I don't really know. Yeah. So I went to a, a career counselor there, and they had set me up with, randomly, she had been a friend with uh, someone who was a producer on Home Improvement. Okay. So <laughs> that's kind of an interesting connection. It's really just random. So like the guy was happy to jump on a call with me and we chatted for a bit. And then I kind of realized that you can actually make a career because, you know, growing up, I, you think of people making movies and you, but you don't ever think that it's their job. Yeah. So it was the first time I really realized that, oh, maybe I could do this. Real people out there are doing this. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, uh, it was nice to see that. So I shifted my focus and, and, uh, went into film from there. What kind of movies were you obsessed with as as a kid growing up? <laughs> uh, literally everything. I mean, back in the day, because I think there was few blockbuster movies, I was obsessed with like the Independence Days of of the world, and I grew up loving just like the early Batman movies, uh-huh. uh, lots of James Bonds, uh, st- stupid Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were classics at the time. <laughs> it, it was basically anything in a theater because every every weekend I would go to a theater um, and see something. So it was whatever was there, I would go and see. And uh, I remember (laughs) my very odd first discovery of what independent cinema was, was, you know, the movie Tremors, the Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites. (laughs) The first time that I realized that a movie could come out and not in theaters was Tremors 2. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So was that a straight to DVD one? I missed it. (laughs) Um, So then I realized there was an independent cinema world because of the Tremors uh, saga. (laughs) The B-movie world. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh man, there's a special place in my heart for all of those movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you when you were at Bowling Green and you made the switch, you you switched to film production. Was that your major? Yeah, it was um, film production with it was like studies with a specialization in film production. One of those yeah. kind of BS uh, communications degree. Yeah, uh, yeah, I feel like the film department was always in some kind of flux. There, it was always kind of <laughs> shifting between theater or something else, or maybe not happening. <laughs> it, yeah, I kind of maybe wanted to do something at one point yeah. in time, and kind of just got stuck in existence. But yeah, and then I also did I made minored in popular culture research, which I actually found to be much more engrossing and interesting. Oh um, uh, yeah, was that part of the English department? I think it was his own separate department, but okay. I found the film and media classes in that department to be much more rewarding. It was people who were still excited to be doing it, <laughs> which was great, <laughs> you know, and you got a lot of different outlooks because I took a communications class and they were studying things like Citizen Kane and Harold and Maude, which yeah. I felt like even some of my film classes had glossed over and didn't really get to. So it was cool to see that aspect of it. So as you were there, was, was there a part of film production or the film business that you kind of started leaning towards? I kind of 
fell away from the tech side of it and just wanted to produce. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I had I had minored in business for so long, and then at the end of the day, I think I was a credit short of having a minor in, in business. Yeah. And uh, I'll actually blame my friend Elliot. I had my final. <laughs> My final exam for that was the day, the morning after his bachelor party. So <laughs> I was like, I don't really need the minor. I already have one, and I didn't even worry about it. Okay. Uh, so that was the first exam I failed in college. <laughs> my my last exam in college as well, too. So that was You're like, I'm time. done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just seeing the business side, and also I think going into an internship at Silver, seeing some of the business side, and I didn't really go on to set for anything for that. Mm. So I kind of fell in love with listening to people make deals and and you know see how movies started off rather than on set because you know it's learning on sets easy when you're in school you're always got to go out and shoot something but yeah it was more interesting to to get everything set up from the get-go yeah that's true and i feel like it's probably just even kind of hard to teach at school because you almost have to be in a production where you're actually raising money or you know yeah have a real budget and it was uh, really interesting too because i was probably at the tail end of when bowling green was still using film mm-hmm. so a lot of the new media which you're going to go into when you get in the real world they hadn't really touched on a little bit here and there but like my cinematography class was on 16 millimeter yeah mine was I, as well yeah and like cut on a reel to reel so <laughs> yeah it was kind of neat to see that but it's almost like a historical class now <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> it's like one of those things yes i got to do that and i'm happy but i'll never do it again yeah yeah exactly <laughs> So is this where you met Sean Cruiser then? Yeah, we had a screenwriting class together actually, um, and that was the first time that we met. Other apart from a couple of other mutual friends uh, that we had met uh, like for a brief time before that. Yeah. But the main thing was a screenwriting class we had together, and then that was toward the I think it might have been his last year of college or last semester, mm-hmm. and then I was there like a little bit longer, and then we just kind of reconnected once once we both moved out here. He had been out here, I think, about six months longer than me or so. Did you collaborate on any screenplays while you were at college? No, not at all, actually. It didn't happen until we moved out here. I had uh, another screenwriting partner who we were writing something with um, at the time. We were going back and forth with this um, guy at Lionsgate, but that fell apart, and uh, and I was kind of looking for something new. New Sean was out here. He had a couple scripts he had sent my way, and I kind of felt like, where I was weak in screenwriting, he was better, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, this is could just you know be a really perfect blend. So the one of the projects I had already started on and lost the the writing partner on, who he moved back to Ohio. Sean kind of helped me pick up the pieces of it, and we finished that. And then I think we've written like five things at this point now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know Sean is pretty prolific in his writing, and I, I yeah. see a lot of posts of you, you know, working on stuff too. So. What's that collaboration like? I mean, how it can be tough sometimes working with someone, especially if you, I mean, it seems like you guys must trust each other pretty well to, to throw ideas back and forth, but it can be, you know, it can be very easy to stifle ideas if you're like, not sure if someone's going to like what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. how, do you, how do you work that out? I guess we just kind of throw ideas out there and half of them are really awful and we just accept it. And then <laughs> we, <laughs> we kind of, you know, in, in the way that I am, it's like, if you have the same ideas as me, then there's no almost no point of 
collaborating because you mm-hmm. can just do it yourself. So it's good to have people with conflicting viewpoints. And for us, whenever we reach a point where we're both really torn on something, we just tend to get really quiet and sit and think about it. And it's like we're stewing over the fact of like, yeah, yeah. all right, who is right at this? <laughs> How do we get um, around this? <laughs> yeah. So there's never really, I don't think we've ever had any sort of argument that you hear with other writers. It's just kind of like, I don't know what to do, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, or, you know, we'll just kind of plow through it and come back to it if it's awful. But yeah, our, our process, if we get stuck, is just to kind of sit and mull in silence. <laughs> <laughs> nice to have a nice cocktail in hand or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've definitely done that too. <laughs> how, how does the actual writing go? Do you guys like type like next to each other or does one of you work on a certain part and the other one works on another and then you kind of go over it together? Yeah, we've kind of done both. For the most part, it's been we'll kind of just have um, the document projected on like a TV or something. And then um, one of us will type and the other one will just kind of talk it out um, or we'll alternate. Just kind of, it mainly depends on whose place we're writing at. Yeah. If we're at my place, I'll be the one typing. And if we're over there with him, he'll do it. And we've also, because we've been um, in different parts of the country at different times too, just traveling, we've also sent scenes back and forth. Depends, it mainly depends if we do that on how far along the project is. Like if it's pretty well outlined, we'll just go ahead and do that. Yeah. Um, but if we're still building the pieces of it, we'll, we tend to get in a room together to kind of hash it out. Yeah, just more back and forth, kind of thinking th- things through. Do you guys do any kind of um, storyboard, or not really storyboarding, but just, you know, coming up with flashcards or anything like that, outlining? or? I used to. We don't. We tend to just take random notes that neither of us ever see the other person's notes, and we just hope each other writes down the right stuff. Um, <laughs> I like that. Um, recently, we've done Google Docs to kind of keep it in order, but... Yeah, I used to do note cards and stuff, and then I just got sick of having to keep note cards and cork boards. And yeah. now when I write, I just tend to keep basically a journal, and I'll write literally anything that I'm thinking about, even if it's the tiniest little random thought. Or even if it's I write something and it's really dumb, I'll be like, that was really stupid. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of so, uh, tracking any anything that pops in your mind. Yeah, exactly. I find it more freeing. I used to be very... Um, like married to the structure of, you know, certain things need to happen by this page. But I had written one thing just kind of my own as an experiment where I literally had no game plan. Yeah. It was the most pleasant experience I've had writing. And for me, one of the most fun and rewarding um, things that I've written. So um, I kind of like to let it flow a little bit more now. Like obviously have some structure and a good outline, but not necessarily being stuck to a certain Yeah, that makes sense. Beat sheet. Yeah. Yeah, and that can kind of stifle your creativity too or just, you know – an unnecessary block. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, starting off, and especially in school, you learn a lot of stuff, like the book Save the Cat. It's like, you know, if you do this, you will be a successful screenwriter, and you need this to happen by this page. But you're you're coordinating your creativity so much that you're trying to find out, okay, i got to get this by 25, and you just you lose any cool ideas that you could have that if it were to extend beyond that. Yeah. So, yeah, I find it more constrictive than beneficial. Yeah, I think those tools are great for analyzing other stuff and getting ideas, but yeah, definitely, you know, putting too much into it. I mean, all all of the the big breakthrough movies or writing, you know, they're always the ones that go against the grain or find some way to twist things around. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all the movies that I kind of became obsessed with as a kid and, and growing up and, and learned um, how to write, I felt never really held to that. So I never really, I did it for a while, but I found. Most it found, I made, I guess the best way to put it is it made movies predictable for me. Yeah. Because I, I would go and watch a movie and go, oh, this is about to happen right now. Yep, they broke uh-huh. up. You know, so <laughs> especially romantic comedies. Exactly. I feel like there's it's so structured. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's basically by numbers. Yeah. So, 
um, I found it to also take away the fun of watching a movie when you're looking at that um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a movie theater or something. That makes sense. Do you guys do read-throughs with actors while you're in the rating process? No, and I don't even think we do it amongst ourselves very often. Um, we do it in pre-production if we're going to go shoot something mm-hmm. occasionally, but um, no, that's not something we've ever really done. Okay. It might be a good idea. Maybe we should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know some people, especially like on comedies and stuff like that, they'll do little read-throughs and try to punch up the script a little. But, right. Let's let's go back to the move to L.A. a little bit. What was that experience like? You said you moved out there, what, a week after you graduated? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I graduated, the, like, I think December 19th, and I was gone January, like the first week of January or something like that. Oh, nice. So I just added a uh, Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee at the time, so I put a hitch in the back, loaded up everything I owned, and me and my brother-in-law uh, drove out. Uh, we caught some massive snowstorms. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you go through Colorado and the mountains? Uh, no, we took the southern route thinking that would be yeah. less snow. Um, but we hit Missouri, and it was just... Ooh, yeah, Missouri can be bad. Yeah, we had planned <laughs> to stay there overnight, but the snow was so bad, we just had to keep going. So actually, every time I've driven to L.A., I've basically driven like 24 hours straight. Not stopping because of some instance or another. So basically, it usually happens that I drive from from Perrysburg to Vegas is where the stop is. That's (laughs) brutal. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. I've never had a pleasant drive cross country. (laughs) You need to take your time, get an RV, you know, a few weeks. Yeah, I'd rather just fly. (laughs) (laughs) What was it like when you got there? Did you have people that you knew out there or were you just kind of like, here I am, L.A.? Uh, no, I had a few. I had a cousin um, who's still out here. I had the roommate at the time that I had was someone I knew from high school. And then a couple other really close high school friends had moved out here too. So that was really nice. Uh, just I took like three or four months and didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. Um, probably stupidly at the time, but I just wanted to experience LA and, and not have to worry about, I don't know, responsibility. Yeah. Getting out of college and it was fun and there was a lot of stuff to do. So just kind of hung out for the first three months, uh, did a lot of writing. Uh, like I mentioned, that's when we were doing a couple things with Lionsgate. And uh, then <laughs> you you realize that not working doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, especially so, in L.A. <laughs> I know, it goes really quick. So I uh, hit up my cousin. He had a movie going at the time. Uh, he was working um, at New Regency at Fox, and they had this movie called The Darkest Hour, which was this like alien invasion movie with Emil Hirsch. Uh-huh. Uh, so I snagged a uh, office PA gig on that and basically was helping get a lot of they were shooting over in Russia so it was like getting everyone's visas and work yeah, permits yeah. things like that. So that was my first foray into film out here. How did that lead into more steady work cuz you mostly do what post production manager? Yeah, right. Uh currently doing some post uh supervising work. Um it just kind of randomly led into that didn't actually lead into other stuff that was about a six or seven month gig which was great and then uh looking for something else i had a friend working on some game show one versus a hundred so uh they needed a pa so i jumped over to that and then hopped over to another game show and then kind of kept in reality tv and just kind of it was like a curse and a blessing because reality tv can be brutally just annoying but um (laughs) it it pays really well so at the same time i kept getting like bumped up in promotions because i had moved over to the x factor um after these game shows and uh by the end of that i was basically like post coordinating it so uh by the end of the first season what what is that like coordinating the post-production side what were you doing Uh, like a team of editors 
yeah, there's editors there, and then it's a lot of PAs uh, that you kind of oversee, um, a lot of, uh, I don't know, purchase ordering. It's really not that intensive. It's kind of, I guess, easy. Uh, but but <laughs> um, it was the perfect job for me at the time because it paid decent for what for like where I was in my career. Yeah. And there was a lot of free time where I would just sit and write. So that was kind of nice, and it helped fund you know anything that we needed to go shoot. So it's just basically like managerial work. Yeah, yeah. You you and Sean both kind of lucked out then. He's got kind of a similar job where he has tons of time to write. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Working at UCLA there. Which is, is crucial if you're going to make it out here and write because so many people will go. And, you know, if you get like a wait staff job or something, it's you don't have any time. So you got to do it on your own. So that was a huge benefit to have. Yeah, that makes sense. So how did Burning Shade Productions come together then? So you and Sean have been kind of writing out there when you reconnected. What was the, yeah. do you remember the, like the first phone call? Like, Hey, you're out here, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I know it was a script that he and Jimmy Barker had written and he sent it over to me to just like get thoughts or something. And yeah. then we, I think we met up at a bookstore or something. Um, and I had given him notes on it. And then when the the roommate and writing partner that I had, he kind of like he fell off into a sad world of um I guess addiction is a good way to put it. Oh, and and uh so he, he left um LA and I was like, well I'm gonna try and find someone else to do stuff with. So I, I think we went out for a beer and I was kind of like, I have the script that we need to fix. Do you want to help me do it? And so we kind of started that and then writing and then in terms of burning shade, I think we had been trying to get stuff going, like, you know, basically any writer selling a script. And then yeah. one day we were kind of sick of it and we were just like, do you want to just start up? I think it was his idea, maybe. I can't remember, but uh, it was basically like, you just want to start a production company and make some stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, we could do that. Sounds sure. like a plan. Uh, <laughs> and that was basically the the incarnation of Bernie Shade. That was, I think, September of 2012, I think, is when we did yeah, that. Yeah, that's like right around when I came out there, because I remember you guys yeah. were just starting to gear up, and and I think you ordered the Red Dragon sometime around there, and then, what, it came like a year <laughs> or two later? <laughs> I think it was probably two years. <laughs> Red Whatever. is an amazing company, but they, they definitely will keep you waiting. <laughs> so, so do you remember the kind of the first iteration of Burning Shade? What did, what did you guys do? What was what some of your first projects that you put together uh the very first one that we did was botch a short film that sean had written uh-huh uh if my memory is correct um we shot that just i mean our whole philosophy was we just want to shoot some stuff a bunch of different genres to show that, that we have range um and also show that we can shoot things cheaply because if you can shoot quality product very cheap and fast then that's really good for uh, Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went off with that, shot a bunch of films. Botch was the first one. And uh, we also shot another one Sean had written called we, uh, Friendly Nightcap. Mm -hmm. um, we shot that on, which did, were you on that one? Yeah, I was on both of those okay, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So basically, Friendly Nightcap, we shot on a Saturday over the course, I don't remember how many hours, six or eight hours. And then the next Sunday, we shot a short that I had written called Waiting for a Call. And I think we shot that in like three hours. Yeah, you guys hammered out like all three of those within a pretty close yeah. time frame. It was really quick. So we had that those ones, and then we did like a little, um, uh, like I guess comedy pilot, sitcom pilot called In Your Dreams yep. with uh, with Jimmy, which was really fun too. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I showed up like just when you guys were doing starting all this. I yeah, you're basically it. the incarnation yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
what what's the split of kind of the duties between you and Sean when it comes to putting together a production? I know you kind of go back and forth between writing. Sometimes you write stuff together. But what about yeah. the actual production side? Uh, it varies greatly. He handles all technical uh, stuff on it and set. I basically serve if I haven't written the the project, I'll be just you know producer and like line producer, et cetera, just making sure everything works smoothly, setting up, getting all of our locations, squaring away all our necessary legal paperwork and um, all of that. And also when we're on set, we're, we're very collaborative in terms of just shooting. And you know, if one of us has another idea that the other one didn't have, we're very open and yeah. um, we try and keep a very friendly um, atmosphere on set. It just helps overall, and and it it gets better performances out of the actors. Yeah, I feel like all of your sets are usually, you know, everyone's in a good mood and you always seem to get a good group of people together. What's kind of your strategy for finding actors or even crew, too? Uh, well, crew's just kind of whoever <laughs> our friend is around and wants to help out for the day. <laughs> uh, but um, um, but we've got like a few that we've worked with a lot. In terms of actors, we tend to work with ones that we've enjoyed a lot in the past. Vic's been a lot of stuff. And uh, or you know if we'll put casting calls out and we'll we'll cast some stuff. It's occasionally nice to work with fresh faces just to give yourself I don't know uh, a chance to see what else is there. Not in like in a a bad way, but just yeah. Everyone has their own talents yeah, and different. Yeah, um, because as much as um, you may like one person and you cast you will cast them if they're right, but if for some reason they're not, you know, it's good to also just a good exercise for yourself to get out there and do some auditions. So, like, we had just shot something about two months ago, maybe. Um, we used two actors that we've never used before, and they were just phenomenal. So, do do you guys find most of them on backstage, or I know Sean's used that. Yeah, uh, I would say the majority. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's probably been a couple that have come from references, or if we have worked on a different project and we've liked the actor. Yeah, you'll just approach them. Exactly. Yeah, that kind of happened with. Uh, with In Your Dreams, John Drusco was in that, and Sean and I were both kind of watching the performance and everything, and we were like, he'd be really great and waiting for a call, we're going to yeah. shoot that a week. So um, luckily he was willing to do it, and he knocked that out of the park. Um, and it was a little different, you know, In Your Dreams was pretty comedic, and this was a little more somber and morose, but he just nailed it. So Yeah, he's he's pretty cool. I like, I like John a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> How about a drift that you guys have just pretty much finished that in post production? Can you talk about that project a little bit? I talked with Vic a little bit from uh, the acting side, and he he actually produced that as well, right? Yeah, um, we actually just finished it last week, like a hundred percent. It's done, so um, we'll we'll be releasing it eventually at some point. But um, yeah, so that kind of got set up. Vic knew this guy, John Rushing, who he felt Sean and I should meet, so. We set up a meeting, and John was like, yeah, come over to my um, yacht club one night. We'll have some drinks. Um, we're like, all right, cool, great. So we go over there, and uh, we're just chatting it up, and he had kind of like offhanded mentioned how he would love to see like a, a horror thriller on a boat because he does a lot of sailing, and when you're out there alone, like the smallest little thing that you don't <laughs> scare crap yeah. out of. So Sean and I kind of took that to know and we were like oh yeah okay that's really cool and then we wrote something up uh, like the next week or something like that oh that's cool so he actually gave you guys the freedom to kind of work up an idea on your own well yeah well i think it was just more in passing if i recall like it wasn't even like go write this i was just yeah. like john we're gonna like or we were both like we're gonna go write this and we're gonna make this and so we're gonna send it to him and he's gonna like it and <laughs> we're gonna do it <laughs> that's uh, that we're doing it yeah so so 
you know, it took took a few months from that point, but we finally crafted what it wanted to be. We had Vic involved since you know he produced it with us. He was the one that set up that initial meeting, and then uh, we filmed a little bit uh, at the marina on John's boat, and then we sailed out to Catalina, filmed the rest out there. I think it was October, if I'm not mistaken, maybe okay. November. But yeah, very very grueling, brutal shoot, but the final product is phenomenal. So. I have no bad things to say about that shoot at all. <laughs> what what was the the struggle with the shoot? Was it more of just like the realization that you're on a boat and it's not easy to shoot when yeah. something's moving around? <laughs> There's definitely that. You know, it was like a six or seven hour sail out there, and a couple people got seasick. Oh, that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. Uh, but it was whatever. And then you know, once we're there, I think it was there was a lot of creative back and forth. Yeah people with you know varying opinions on you know what would work on film and what wouldn't and we, we shot i would <laughs> not exaggerated i think for a 10 minute short we shot probably nine to ten hours of footage wow that's a lot of footage to go through <laughs> yeah it was like a terrence malick movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but you know it was just so everything takes longer on the water it's you're always worried about you know the camera uses our own so for me, uh, I know I had mentioned this before uh, to the cast and crew, but like every time we would go over water with our camera, it's like a fifty thousand dollar camera. It was like, it was literally like my balls would descend into my body and like, oh my <laughs> god, please don't do anything to that. <laughs> don't fall. Yeah. So it's a lot of internal nerves from that, and then you know, like I think, I, I, which I think Vic had mentioned too, but you know, we got a little tipsy on the the one night, so it led to a lot of creative arguments back and forth. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like. You know, it ended well. No one, it's like an old married couple. No one went to bed angry. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the secret private link, so I watched it and it, uh, it was really oh, enjoyable. Yeah, Very yeah, good. I've seen it. Nice. It good. came out really nice. No, it turned out really well. Uh, the sound design, we just got, it was amazing. Um, Bob Kellogg did it and uh, he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, because it, it was kind of more, I guess, a silent film, right, in a way. So, the, the sound design really makes the movie in some respects oh 100 percent um we had almost basically shot it as a silent film there's a few lines of dialogue here and there but half the time we didn't even have sound recording in the fields yeah. it's pretty much mostly created um and we were just lucky enough to get bob you know he's worked on he just did ant-man in the new godzilla movie oh um, nice yeah so he's, <laughs> he's got plenty some... of experience exactly i think he did the first captain america so he's phenomenal um and just really really came through for us for this so so what's next for adrift you guys are sending it out to film festivals yeah so so far it is at sundance and slam dance and we'll probably do some more but we haven't quite there's those are the most i guess pressing deadlines so um the the hope and goal is to turn it into a feature so um sean and i are kind of mapping that out right now and what exactly it will be but uh, I think w whether it goes to festivals or not, our aim is to still make it a feature. So it just will become a more independently funded feature if, if it goes Yeah, out. Yeah, and then you can use the short as like a sales pitch, basically. Yeah, exactly. So that'll be the plan. And hopefully we're hoping to have something completed in terms of a script pretty soon. Uh, we already have somewhat of an outline. So it's just a matter of kind of filling everything in. Yeah. So what's next for Burning Shade? Do you guys have anything kind of in the pipeline? 
Uh, potentially, we have we kind of shot another proof of concept for another movie that we're trying to get off the ground as well a couple months ago. So we have that. We'll probably be releasing that uh, in the next couple months. Um, we have we brought in actually another guy into the company, uh, Josh Hummel, who's kind of serving as our like business affairs guy. Um, who he's going to help bring in some funding to the pro- uh, company, and uh, so you know, it's basically just do- taking a lot of meetings, getting a lot of projects set up, um, hoping to take everything to another level and kind of build our productions to a bigger thing. So, and I think hopefully soon we shot Far Off as a feature. Uh, we shot a year and a half ago. Like that yeah. should be done pretty soon. So hopefully we can get some stuff going off with that too. Yeah, that's been in post production for what over a year now, probably. Yeah, it's been a lengthy process, <laughs> but um, it's almost it's getting, there. It's almost there. It's getting close, so it'll be really nice to see that out in the world, especially for the people who are involved in it, both crew and actors, to finally be able to see something that they put so much of their time in so long ago. Are you guys going to try to put that out in the festival world as well? Probably. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly which ones yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll go to some of those. And then you know we'll probably if it doesn't go that route we'll seek some kind of um, smaller distribution for it. Yeah, yeah, but hopefully it'll definitely get out there soon. Cool, that's exciting, man. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on out there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe some more, I guess, sort of philosophical or process-oriented questions. What's what's been like your biggest obstacle or just fear to overcome in terms of like making the move out there or getting into film or starting your own production? company are there anything anything that kind of gives you anxiety or no you know i had no fear or anxiety about moving it just was it seemed natural to me yeah. um and same thing with getting into this i think the only thing that i think the anxiety comes from was you know like anyone who's young and you first got you're like i'm gonna make it i'm gonna be yeah. <laughs> so yeah. successful right off the bat and you don't realize how long things take out here just in general especially now because it's so easy to go make something that everyone is doing it so i think the only anxiety comes from just like oh it's like you've been working on this project forever and uh, you know and just getting older and you're like man i wish this was further along in terms of just um the amount of work that we have done but that's really it i mean in terms of anything jumping into anything i've always just been yeah let's do it no fear or anything like that yeah it's a good um, attitude to have. Yeah, I think, and it's and once you wrap your head around how slow everything goes out here, especially too, because just it takes forever for anyone to like, return an email or a call, just because <laughs> it's like how we've gotten into our our ways out here. So something that could take a day can take two weeks. It's just you just you, get used to it. <laughs> even with like friends hanging out, I feel it's the same way. Oh, exactly. It's like, hey, yeah. you guys want to hang out tonight? Well, I got to drive over the hill. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's rush hour and. No, I'm not doing that. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so imagine that with everything in life. So <laughs> once you get your head around that and you accept it, then everything goes much smoother. <laughs> <laughs> what about with your, your writing process? Do you have anything to kind of get yourself in the zone, especially, I guess, when you're on your, your own, just kind of typing away? It really depends. I have found – I'll go through huge lulls where I just won't be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's writer's block. It's just like a uh, – like, I can't think of anything good, so what's the point of writing it? Yeah. Think. Do you normally still have your notebook in that case where you're just kind of writing down random ideas here and there? Oh yeah, I have. I actually have a little small notebook that I've had since college that I keep with me that I go over that I just jot down any idea that I ever come up with. So I still have that. Um, I find the biggest thing that helps me get in the zone is just listening to music. So I'll sit down and I'll have certain composers. I, t- I find instrumental to be, um, I guess, better. 
for that type of thing. So I'll sit down and plug in some music, listen to it, and just kind of see what comes out. I've been doing some fun little exercises uh, with a friend Gina that I have where we will, which I'm actually late on one right now, which I should probably <laughs> soon, but we basically will send each other a, the first sentence or two of something, mm-hmm. and then we have to write from there. Oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah, it's kind of fun. So we'll just send one back and forth, and then we just write a short story about it, just see where it goes. Do you think that takes the pressure off sometimes too because you're like, well, you know, it's not it's not my big project that I have to create. It's just some yeah. sentence I could just kind of go off anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of a, just a fun little exercise because you, if, for example, you see a sentence that you yourself would never have written, it's like, oh, man, how would I take this? Yeah. Um, so, and it could go literally anywhere. And it's always fun for the other side if I send a sentence out to see what comes back. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Be like, oh, that's where you, that's really cool. It's really like a look into other people's creative minds because you have your own way that you would do it, but it's a nice little just a position of what what they are do you have like a one to one to three things that you do to kind of improve either your writing or just um your process with filmmaking or anything in your life that you think most people don't do oh man that's a very good question i in terms of writing i always i grew up obsessed with film noir Mm -hmm. um and I found it very interesting, especially back in those days, especially with movies today are a lot grander. And I really loved how those movies would captivate you and literally dialogue alone. There was, there was no puff like frills or anything. So in my writing, if I'm doing scenes with dialogue, I always try and make sure that like, if I was watching this movie in the 1940s with the dialogue that I have written, captivate them. Yeah, Yeah. Like not, not necessarily that culture, but just people in general, um, like not necessarily people in the 1940s. Yeah. But would this dial? Is this enough to keep an audience where they don't need to wait for an explosion? Will they be entertained? So I was kind of thinking that mindset, and then I also took all of my I felt like creative inspiration ever in life. My my ultimate like idol in Hollywood is Billy Wilder, and like years I know like he would he had his idol Ernst Lubitsch, and he had a sign above his door like how would Lubitsch do it. And I kind of, I don't have like a sign or anything, but I kind of always have that in the back of my head of like, how would Wilder do it? Because he always found some nice little quirky way to make something just work wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, because I remember reading uh, an interview with him one day and he had a, I forget if it was him or something he was working on, but this, the test that he would give to people is he would have a guy and a woman in a room and somebody had to come in and knew that they had, or like the guy had to leave and the husband had to come back and how did he find out they had an affair? And so, you know, he's like 90% of people would be like, oh, he found him hiding in the closet, the bed, the window is open. And like, you can just do, he was like, you can just do something as the guy goes to put on his pants and the belt's too small, you know? And he's like, this is not my belt. So you just like always just finding the small little thing that, that someone wouldn't normally think of, like 90% of people wouldn't think of doing and it kind of sets your thing apart just a little bit. Yeah, it's a great way to find find an original angle. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about your book a week project a little bit. What what is that, and uh, have you been keeping up with it? <laughs> um, I've been keeping up to the best I can. I might be like a week or two behind, but I've been trying to catch up. It kind of started toward the end of last year. I uh, I realized that I hadn't read a book, and I, like I couldn't even remember how long. So I had. Um, uh, my girlfriend Adrian and I, we were, she, the new James Bond movies coming out and she had never really seen any of the old ones. Yeah. So we kind of casually were like, oh, let's just watch one a week and catch up and we'll go see the new one. 
um because i grew up on those and absolutely loved them so yeah, and there's like what 20 some of them now? yeah <laughs> it's ridiculous so we're like yeah we'll just casually watch one a week so we had been doing that and then come december her dad used to have this desert house out in pioneer town and it was kind of the perfect way to get away from the world and there's no cell reception so we were going to be going there just to kind of get away for a bit and i was like man i've never read a james bond book uh-huh. it'd be kind of cool to see what that world is like versus you know what everyone what you thinks see now yeah so picked up the first one casino royale and read it there and it just like it blew my mind because it's such good writing and it's so different than the james bond you think of today mm-hmm. um he doesn't sleep with a woman <laughs> he like <laughs> he, he even thinks that there's like a line where he's like maybe i'll hit on her but we'll wait till the mission's over so he's more serious about what he's doing he's very serious there's minimal action i learned how to play baccarat in reading it because of how detailed it is uh, <laughs> wow. which is interesting um and you know like the second half of the book there's literally no action so it was just I was like, that was really cool. So then that kind of spurred, you know, it was the new year and I was, I was like, man, this year I should really try and read more. So I decided to just keep going. Um, and I, I had finished the first bond book, like over the course of a weekend or something. Mm-hmm. And I read another book in a week and then I was like, I'm really enjoying this. So I decided to keep it up and basically do a book a week. And I, I early on made the decision to read one week fiction and the next week nonfiction kind of alternate so that I could have one week, you know, fiction is great because you get to see a new story. It also kind of like is a good study for your own writing. And then nonfiction gave me a chance to just educate myself more. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing a lot of different nonfictions just so I can get a broad spectrum of just lots of things that I never would have thought were cool. What are some of your favorites so far? Oh, man. So I've done, I've been really into like brewing coffee. So I read a few books on coffee and brewing and, and things like that. I read the autobiography of Robert Evans, who he ran Paramount. Basically, was the one that saved it in the seventies. He did the uh, he, okay. like he was the reason that the Godfather and Rosemary's Baby exist, and his autobiography, The Kid Stays in the Picture, um, was just a really cool example of somebody running Hollywood. Basically, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, very interesting read. He's a very unique human being. So still around, but uh, very, very. I think he's like in his late eighties now. So, but very interesting one. Uh, I've read a couple more Bond books, which was cool. How many Bond books are there? Do you know? Oof, there's Ian, probably close to 20 of those, too. Okay. It's Ian Fleming, right? The author? Right. Yeah. yeah. I've only read a few. And each of them are very different, so it's it's cool because it's not the movies. But I read um, Brian Grazer's book, A Curious Mind, which I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. I listened to some podcast episodes where he was being interviewed. It sounds, yeah. sounds like a good book. It's really cool. He had like little conversations with people over the course of like 30 years of every field and it's, you know, just how curiosity has benefited his life. So like that was a great motivational read. I've done, I actually just finished um, David David Lynch's book, Catching the Big Fish. Yeah, I read that not too long ago. I I really like that little book. It was, yeah, it's like, it's short, it's sweet, um, but it's quite good. Um, And it was kind of working out well because again, um, Adrian had never seen Twin Peaks, so we've been watching that. Nice pairing there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, no, I was in the David Lynch mood, but that one was really good. I've 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 read some fiction, like oh, I found myself reading things that I missed in high school or something, or just different authors that for whatever reason I I skimmed over. Mm-hmm. I read Catcher in the Rye, which as an adult I still appreciated a great deal, but I wish I would have read it as a teenager. But very good. I read this. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've done. Devil in the White City was something I read that was interesting. It's basically the the Chicago World's Fair, 
um, and that being built up at the same time the uh, United States for Serial Killer was active. Okay, I think I've heard about this book. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. The guy, it's non, it's like basically true story, but he does it in such a uh, way yeah, that more of a fiction storytelling type. Yeah, style. Um, some of my favorite fiction ones I've read. Uh, did some Vonnegut. God bless you, Mister Rosewater. Really enjoyed that. Um, and then I've had a couple random uh, recommendations from people too that have been really good. I've, I like. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Chuck Palahniuk. Okay, uh, I, I would butcher it as well. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I I've read a couple of the things, but I read Pygmy of his, which was good, very disturbing. But it was one of the hardest books I've read in a very long time. Just because uh, of the disturbing aspect, or just the way his style of writing in that book. Style of writing for it because it's about uh, adolescent kid i think he's 12 or 11 that comes over to the united states who's basically a terrorist mm-hmm. uh, and it's written in his broken backwards english uh so it just like takes a while so, to kind of get into that yeah and everything's his in his own mind so you have to reread sentences because they're basically written backwards <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. so i felt I was like man this, this guy's messing with my head <laughs> but it's been very rewarding reading all these things uh, i've gone back to kafka i just read metamorphosis too that's a good one yeah, you know, so a lot of little things that I had forever never started um, that have really opened my eyes. And it's been fun seeing how other people write in prose. Do you think it's inspired you a little bit in your current idea formation or writing? Oh, definitely. Um, 100%. Um, because especially with the way, you know, knowing something, what a book's about, it's really fun for me to see how an author, both his style, his or her style of prose writes it. And then how they take ideas and thinking about how I would do it differently. So that's been really cool. I just this morning uh, started um, Agatha Christie's and then there were none, which has been really interesting so far. Just yeah. classic. I don't think I've read any of her stuff. but Yeah, I haven't either. It was uh, This one used to be, I think, 10 Little Indians, but I think they changed the cover because it was racist. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah. What do you think you get out of reading that you don't get out of watching movies? It's a totally different experience. And it's become part of my morning routine and it helps me it's a nice way to start the day i like while movies are visual i felt like i was consuming too much media because you're mm-hmm. always you're always finding people being like have you seen this show or you need to watch this and i've kind of cut back a lot because i find that reading not that it's more intellectual because that's not right because movies in their own right are but i i feel more active maybe just maybe more active just it's more. nice to create the world in your own head mm-hmm. a little rather than just have something always presented to you. Um, makes you think a little more. You have to remember, because sometimes it's hard to remember the characters or the world that they're in. So I think that's my biggest benefit. Like in the mor- That'll be my morning. Every morning I get up, I work out, I'll like shower, make some coffee, and then I'll just sit and read for 30 or 40 minutes. And it always puts me in a better mood. So... How do how do you manage to keep up? I guess one a week. I feel like a lot of people be like, I don't have time to do that. I mean, thirty forty <laughs> uh, minutes in the morning usually enough to kind of get you through if you have uh, that I, time. I tend to do more in the week. I've been traveling a lot too, so I've had a lot of airplane time. Yeah, but perfectly honest, I'll pick a really short book if I'm falling behind. <laughs> uh, like for example, I wanted to read it anyway, but for example, like Metamorphosis, I think is fifty pages. Yeah, so yeah, you know, and I read The Art of War one week 
which again is super short. So if I'm ever falling really behind, I'll just cheat. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong. I mean, those short ones that yeah. are good books. Hey, this I mean, is my game. I can cheat if I want. You're not it's... reading like Girdle, <laughs> Escher, and Bach or something, like 800 <laughs> right. page tome. <laughs> exactly. Which I'm sure I'll work up to at some point. But yeah. at the moment, yeah, no, it's 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 more of just a casual. Uh, I don't beat myself if I get behind. It's more of if if the average ends up being that, then I'm happy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, that's a that's a fun little challenge to play with yourself. Kind of, kind of makes uh, New New Year's resolution a little more fun than saying I'm going to, you know, lose a hundred pounds. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and it's also fun for me because I take recommendations from anyone, so it gives me a chance to see what other people are into. True. Hmm, I'll have to think about some and send you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and some of the times the recommendations I won't even see what the book's about. You'll just kind of wing it and be like, I'm going to try this out. Like I read um, this book, Stiff. Uh, recently, which I ordered it and didn't even th- read anything about it. I just knew it was like nonfiction, and it was literally about everything that happens to bodies that are donated to science. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, "This is a really gross book, but this is really interesting." Yes. And the, Mary Roach is the author of it, and she has this delightful way of making everything humorous. So it was a disgusting book, but at the same time, you're laughing out loud <laughs> at certain things while you're talking about just corpses being mutilated. <laughs> that that reminds me, actually. I feel like for, I don't know if you've done it for every book, but you do post on Instagram like a creative, sometimes a creative little um, mashup of like the the book. And then for, mm-hmm. for Stiff, you had, I don't know, it was your girlfriend was underneath the blanket. Oh, that was me. That was you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looked like you were in a body bag sort of type thing. Yep, exactly. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's kind of fun. I, I'll I'll post a picture just of like whatever I think would be uh, a good, um, you know, visual. Uh, yeah, exactly yeah. to to accommodate with the book. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy those. It's that's kind of another fun way to keep it uh, keep it interesting and get some suggestions back and forth from people. Yeah, exactly. And I've had some really cool interactions with people too, just commenting on on books that I've read or like I've had some really fun conversations with people. Um, cause like, especially at work, I'll leave the book out cause I'll sometimes read it at work and people who are into things that you never knew they would be like, Oh, I've read this back, you know, years ago. It was really good. So it starts up a lot of new conversations too. Yeah. They always say, uh, smart people read widely and often. So they do. It's good, to, well, it's good to get suggestions from other people and just kind of mix it up because I know, I know for myself, I'll get like obsessed with a certain subject and just keep reading, reading right. that stuff. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying my best to not do that. Like starting off, I read a bunch of books on coffee, and then I just was like, I gotta pump the brakes a bit on that and set my sights another thing. So I've tried, you know, I've gotten, you know, I've done some philosophy, read some Camus, oh yeah, I did see that and yeah. things, yeah. yeah. Um, so trying to just get as broad of a range of stuff as I possibly can. What are you passionate or obsessed with right now, other than the the book a week? Anything else outside of filmmaking? Man, I've just been doing so much traveling that I'm just trying to. I. I uh, you're obsessed with trying to get sleep? <laughs> yeah, well, that. No, like, I found myself overworked a lot, so I've started just, if stuff comes up, I'm just like, yeah, I'm game. Let's go Let's go do that. So a little bit more adventure. We went skydiving a couple months ago. Oh, and that, was that your first time? Yeah. Um, Adrian and I went. We just we had somebody talked about, and finally we were just like, we keep talking about it. Let's go do it. How was it? Um, oh, it was great. I can't wait to go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was basically, before I hit the ground, I was ready to go back up. So I'll definitely any nerves on the way up or were you pretty like, "Eh, I'm I'm, Um, not really. It was only nerves for me seeing the first person jump out. Yeah. You're like, Oh, here we go. (laughs) Yeah. Realizing it's actually real. It's a weird thing because I've never seen someone fall out of a plane before. So just, you know, Oh man, (laughs) I'm next. (laughs) Yeah. 
but I was totally fine. I I, I love doing adventure stuff like that, so yeah. it was nothing. Yeah, I've done it once as well, and uh, yeah, once you're once you're in the air, it's just like, man, this is this is awesome because yeah, it doesn't. I feel like bungee jumping or something like that would be a little more terrifying because you can like see the ground right there. But when you're that <laughs> yeah, high in the sky, it's just like, yeah, I'm in the world. <laughs> right. You have no point of Floating, reference. Yeah. And, and yeah, when you're falling, it doesn't really feel like you're falling. It just feels like you're sitting above a giant fan. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's just really kind of almost relaxing, a, a weird relaxing adrenaline rush. Yeah. yeah. And then the glide down, you kind of just get to look around and see everything around you. Yeah, exactly. Definitely recommend that. <laughs> yes, definitely. So yeah, I've been doing that and then really we've had so many projects going that I've kind of been putting all my passion into those again, which has been really nice, both with, you know, Bernie Shea has a lot of stuff going on and I've been, which I don't know if you know, I've been doing a lot of work with Concourse Film Trade, uh, the film sales company. No, I don't think so. We, we've, people have known for a while, we've done some stuff with them in the past, but they have another branch called um, the Industry Co. or I Co. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been running basically like campaign management and business affairs and like acquiring new business for them. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so they do a lot of movie trailers and posters and they're just starting to um, do this new package where they distribute movies to. So it's like we'll be going to a lot of film festivals soon to try and find movies to distribute um, and also just inquiring other people who have unfinished films that maybe haven't found a good avenue for them yet because um, yeah. the market's so hard and that we will help get them out there. So it's been fun, Some, something I haven't done before and is kind of new, but has been really cool and rewarding. Yeah, so, very cool. Are so, you going to get to actually go to the festivals and help scout? That's the plan, yeah. They just were at the Jamaica Film Fest a few months back um, which I wasn't a part of that one, but, um, fun. <laughs> I know I wish I would have got right. Just sit on a beach all day. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there should be some coming up soon that we'll probably do. They basically there, we did a, um, I don't know, I guess a, a scholarship. To, it's, so basically it was a contest or not a contest, but we picked a film and then they got like a $35,000 or $25,000 marketing mm-hmm bundle for free so uh that the winner of that got the whole package and working on distribution with them too so we hope to be able to do that to other film festivals as well Um, just to help you know aspiring filmmakers same way as you know we are it's it's always a struggle to get stuff out there Mm -hmm. so just help people get to that point yeah it's kind of the the pros and cons of like the democratization of the tools of film because you know now it's it's way easier for you to make your film but so so it is for everybody else. And exactly. <laughs> so, you know, tons of stuff out there and someone has to filter it. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone has a movie and everyone has, for every movie everyone has, they have a hundred scripts to come yeah. back. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's a nice way to just, you know, especially with the way that, um, you know, video on demand and, and streaming is going. A lot of people have stuff that would do really well in that. They just don't have a way to get it there. Yeah. So, I'm trying to find. You know, it's the thing that wish <laughs> that I wish was out there when I first first started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so it's been really cool getting a nice burst of passion from that something. You know, something new and fresh rather than just keep doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. They say it's true. <laughs> it's very true. So, what's your drink of choice? I feel like you're a man of a good cocktail. And... Oh man, I, mine is just a straight scotch. Straight scotch. Uh, yeah, that's I don't usually do mixers. Um, you give me like a, a glass of Lagavulin and I'm, I'm in heaven. I don't think I've tried that one. The... If, imagine if you were to drink a campfire. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I like, oh. I like the smell of a good campfire. I, yeah. Maybe I'll like drinking one. 
You might. It's quite good. But I'll have like a glass or two. I never go too crazy with scotch because it always destroys you. Um, yeah, that's true. But I like wine. If I'm do, I, I love going up to Napa. So really gotten to be. If I'm just going out like a dinner, I'll have a glass of good wine, mm-hmm. red wine. Um, I love a good Bordeaux or a or a Syrah. But uh, yeah, yeah, whiskey bars are kind of becoming the thing out here. So it's kind of nice if you have a scotch thing yeah 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 there's a lot of a lot of good food and drink out in la for sure i missed that yeah <laughs> yes for sure <laughs> you're not wrong there and i've got a nice little collection here of my own too so yeah but yeah that's definitely what i i enjoy you mentioned billy wilder do you have any other favorite filmmakers or writers that you kind of gravitate towards um yeah probably too many to mention um i grew up actually in college and kind of uh, first when I moved out here I kind of fell in love and discovered the Criterion Collection so uh, uh, yeah. I, I was watching movies like Ingmar Bergman and Akira Kurosawa just all the time um, those are huge ones for me different it's like some of my favorite movies are of those guys you know like um, like Persona is such like a beautiful Bergman movie and Seventh Seal I tend to gravitate toward older filmmakers I don't know why but I just tend to uh, Woody Allen I really enjoy I, I, and more so, I think he's had some real stinkers, but mm. I I really respect the fact that he could just pump things out like he does. Yeah, yeah, he just keeps putting putting something out almost every year or two. Yeah, and more often than not, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. So that's really impressive to me. In terms of newer people, I guess he's not even that new, but Danny Boyle, I really enjoy. Okay. Uh, Richard Linklater, I think, is probably one of the best current filmmakers out there. Uh, he just had everybody wants some recently come out in boyhood before that. Do you have a recent favorite film that you've seen? I'm so far, honestly, embarrassing. <laughs> I'm, I'm so far behind on movies. Well, you've been doing that, the writing. So, or I mean, the, reading, I know, the writing and the reading. Like one of the last movies I saw in the theaters was 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I thought was brilliant. Oh, I just watched that recently. I, I loved it too. I yeah. Um, so I'm really far behind uh, on what exactly I need to watch, <laughs> but uh, I'll just talk to Sean; he'll fill you in. I <laughs> uh, know it's just like yeah, you seen this? No, but Sean has for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I always get around to him; they're just a little late. But um, yeah, I mean, last year was a really great year for movies, you know, like Mad Max and even some of the um, like a Spotlight one. I thought that was really well written too. Oh yeah, that was a good film. Very good. yeah, but I've been I've been kind of falling out of love with superhero movies. Um, I think there's it's just a little bit of an oversaturation. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this made money, so let's just make tons of them. <laughs> yeah, and they're not even good. And you're getting a lot, and a lot of the remakes, and it's not even just remake fatigue, but I feel like they're not even putting the same care into mm-hmm. into making them anymore to make them worthwhile. Um, so I just have, I think I haven't seen a lot of movies because of that. But and like nothing, other, maybe they're good. I don't know. They're probably good, but I just haven't really cared. You know, like when they they did. Dumb and Dumber, and they just did. Mm. I've seen Ghostbusters because I was just, you know, I've I've heard of different things about it, and that's fine. I'm sure it's probably funny, but I just I don't, I don't feel like the need to run to a theater to see it anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's, I guess that's even just on the side of you know, bigger films and stuff. It feels like there's so much content out there. Netflix and Amazon. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's over century. You're just like oh, I don't even know. Yeah, like, all right. Turn on the TV and you're like, okay, what do I want to watch? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've actually, it's weird because I find that it's almost a you feel like it's a rarity when you find a movie that's really good quality. Yeah, and then everyone will talk about it, <laughs> but it's not. It doesn't happen as much as it used to. <laughs> it's like yeah, that one is really good, you know, or 
what um, whatever's coming out, the new the next franchise movie is like, yeah, it was fine. But whenever there's a small independent movie that comes out and blows everyone away, which I, I haven't seen a few of them, but like some of the ones that come to mind, which I can't wait to see, like The Lobster and Swiss Army Man um, and Green Room, I heard were just phenomenal. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those either. Yeah, I heard they're amazing, and I, I can't wait to go see them. Um, but you hear more about a movie like that, a smaller movie, when it's good than you do about a large, you know, I wonder if it's more of like just the story that goes along with the movie is kind of something that separates it. I think so. I think it's I think it's a story, and I think you have uh, filmmakers that don't have to cater to box office necessarily, yeah. so they get to be as they are, which I have great respect for. And yeah, you just get a lot. You get more interesting movies. You get the type of movies that probably would have been big hits, you know, in the seventies or something. Mm-hmm. But but for every reason, they're smaller now, and it's just it's more fun to find little niche uh, films out there. Cool, man. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but maybe just to kind of wrap up, do you have any advice for someone that's considering either pursuing a film career or moving out to LA or, you know, what are some of the pitfalls they can avoid or you know, things to keep in mind? In terms of moving to LA, save up a little money and then just do it. Don't, I know a lot of people that have hesitated a long time and, and just have never come out. Mm-hmm. Um, stick with it. Don't let yourself crash and burn. Um, it's going to take a long time, but it's worth it. Um, find something to pay the bills and then do what you love at night. And, uh, I would say in terms of writing, write as much as you can read as much as you can, um, study other people that write, let people read your work and make them give you honest feedback because most people will just tell you they like it because they're your friends. Um, that's the first thing I always do when I, uh, when I ask someone to read my stuff is I, I always go, if you tell me you like it, I know you're bullshitting me. So, um, (laughs) So I just, you know, make people give you honest feedback and, and it will it will help you. It'll suck. It'll, you know, because not everything is perfect on the yeah. first draft. So, but if you're nervous giving feedback, I, I feel like, what's I don't remember what it's called. It's like something like the feedback sandwich or something like say something positive <laughs> and then something critical exactly. and then you, end you it with something positive. Pepper and salt. <laughs> this, the title for this is really great. <laughs> but the first scene. <laughs> and I enjoyed Fade Out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very well put. Maybe just a little work in between. <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, and you know, like it also just go out and make something. It's so easy, and there's no reason not to. And that's the easiest way to get noticed from anybody, whether it's to make your own movie or even if if you're just someone out there that is writing or shooting something. Just going out to make something will get you jobs yeah. on other things. So, just don't be someone that sits around and waits for something to happen go make it happen good advice man uh anywhere people could follow you online i'm on twitter but i never use it uh, <laughs> i don't even know what my twitter name is now. i'm on instagram at sunset burryvard okay yeah uh, <laughs> <Nice name>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then uh burning shade productions is everywhere our handle for everything is burning shade pro both website instagram facebook twitter everything so that's also a really good way too yeah well i look forward to uh all the stuff that you guys are putting out and hopefully one of these days soon i'll get back out to la and visit all you guys out there yeah hopefully man we got to get you back on something i know to collaborate with you set with you yeah that'd be great awesome man well thank you again i appreciate it yeah, of course man thank you thanks for listening you can follow me john jerko at john jerko on twitter and instagram and find out more about Odyssey and Muse, including the show notes for each episode at odysseyandmuse.com. We now have a separate Odyssey and Muse Instagram feed where we'll be posting audio teasers for each episode, along with photos from our guests. 
On the website, I'm including three to five takeaways for each episode, so you can get some value out of what we covered at a glance. Remember, you can find us on all of your favorite platforms like SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Folks, we spend hours every week preparing for the show, editing interviews, and putting together bonus content for you to enjoy. If you like what we're doing, we would love your support. You can now donate a small amount to us one time or monthly by going to the website and clicking donate. Even a couple dollars goes a long way. We could pay for a coffee that keeps us sane for the week or keep our web hosting bills paid up. Most importantly, please take a couple of minutes to go to iTunes to subscribe and rate the show. It's the only way the show gets noticed in this world of never ending content. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, follow your true north.